In Jesus' name, amen. In our gospel reading for today from Luke chapter 23, we are met with the crucifixion story, and we find ourselves at the foot of the cross of Jesus. And as Jesus hangs there in the final moments of his life, having been humiliated and mocked and ridiculed, beaten, stricken, spit at, denied by his closest friends, three times, I don't know if you caught this or not, but three times Jesus hears the same two words. From three different groups of people, Jesus is met with the same mocking command. Save yourself. Save yourself. The the Jewish leaders mock him. Come on, Jesus, if you are the Messiah, if you are the Christ, you know, if you're so in with God, if you're this chosen one, then then save yourself. Save yourself, the the Roman executioners call out to him. If if you are the king of the Jews, Jesus, come on, like all these people say, then just send your, your servants, the angels, to swoop down. They'll pick you up. Come on, Jesus, save yourself. Save yourself. The the criminal at his side calls out to him in in one last cruel attempt at mockery. We're all going to die here, Jesus, so you might as well do what you can. Save yourself and and us. Save yourself. Three times Jesus hears that mocking. And each time, with words that go unspoken, but with actions that are emphatic, Jesus responds, no. Because Jesus did not come to save himself. He came to save you. And it's there as Jesus hangs there, almost lifeless, that we learn two, I think, very important lessons about who our God is. This crucifixion story today teaches us two very important things about our Lord. And and the first thing that I think we learn today is is why our God came. Uh, Like I said earlier, Advent is is next weekend, and Christmas will be here before, before we know it, and it is this this season of hope and joy with the lights and the gifts and, and the presents and all the excitement. It's, it's a season that we are looking forward to the, to the birth of our Savior, born in that little humble manger, the little baby Jesus, as cute as can be. And yet today we're reminded about why Jesus was born in that manger. That he didn't come to be ooed and odd at as a little bitty baby. He didn't come to be a religious leader or a spiritual guru or a wise teacher. No, Jesus came uh, with the plan and purpose to die for you. That's why Jesus came. And today, as we are confronted with the cross, just a week away from Advent, uh, there's no escaping it. We are reminded about why Jesus came. The second thing that I think we learn about Jesus from our crucifixion story today uh, is just how generous our God is. Because as Jesus hangs there again, he rejects those calls, save yourself. He rejects it. and Instead, he lays down his life completely. Jesus, he doesn't hold anything back. He gives the first and the best of what he had. He gives his life over completely. In Jesus, on the cross, we see what true generosity looks like. Laying down your life for the good of someone else. Uh, That lesson about generosity, I think it's an important one as we enter into this Christmas season. Because this is a generous time of year, isn't it? Churches, for the most part, find that their giving goes way up around this time of year as people are generous and I've already talked to a few people that really amaze me because you're already telling me that you've bought gifts for people and you're asking me if I have and the answer is no, I haven't even thought about it. Um, but it's a generous time of year and, and we're thinking a lot about uh, being generous and, and I think that's good. And yet I think Jesus today teaches what, us what true generosity looks like. And, and I think what we often confuse for niceness or kindness uh, or what we think of being generous is actually niceness or kindness. 
And a lot of things that we do are nice and they're kind, but they're not generous. Here's what I mean by that. I, uh, I need you to imagine yourself as a fourth grade student. For some of you, this can be harder than for others, but go in the time machine, uh, take yourself back, and picture yourself in fourth grade. And you go to school one day, and your teacher says that you're going to be doing a toy drive uh, for needy kids somewhere, like in the inner city somewhere. And you're going to collect toys as a class, and you're going to give them away to kids that really need them. And, and as a fourth grader, you are, you're feeling generous. And you think, all right, this is awesome. I have a lot of extra toys at home. So you run home that day after school. You tell your mom and dad. You are so excited. They're excited. And, and you get to your toy box, and, and you begin to go through your toys. And you'll stick your hand down into that toy box. You'll reach out a toy. And you, you make that hard decision, is it going to go in the keep pile or the giveaway pile? So you begin to do this with all of your toys, and, and, and you begin to surprise yourself. Because as you do this, you're thinking to yourself, oh my goodness, I'm generous. Like the first 15 toys are all being given away. And you're like, wow, I am so generous. And you keep going, and pretty soon, though, you get to some of your prized possessions. Like there is that one toy, a doll, a train, whatever it is. That one thing that kids across America were all clamoring for last year. Uh, that the stores are running out of, that everyone in your class wanted, whatever that, that special toy was. And everyone in your class wanted it, but you were the only one who got it. And you pull it out and you, and you look at it and you think to yourself, you know what, some other kid would really love this, but you should have seen the smile on, my, on the faces of my parents when they gave it to me. You know, they, they worked hard for this. They paid a lot of money for it. They had to go out searching all hours of the day to find this toy just for me. This was really special for them, so I'm going to keep this one. And, and then you come to your teddy bear. Oh, your teddy bear. And, and you think to yourself, we've been through a lot together. Uh, he's been there since the beginning, and uh, I can't just toss him aside now, right? Some other kid would sure get a lot of love out of him. He's very lovable, but I'm going to keep my teddy bear. And, and then you come to your video games. There's the Xbox or the PlayStation, and you can hear the voice of your mom in the back of your mind telling you that video games are bad and it's going to turn your brain to mush and whatever the case, you should go play outside. But you think to yourself, you know what, I've been working really hard as a fourth grader and I've been doing all my homework, I follow all the rules, I'm really in with my parents, uh, things are going well right now, and I deserve to play some video games, right? I mean, a few hours of fun, it's not going to hurt anyone, I'm going to keep the video games. And you do this, you stand back, and you see that your keep pile is awfully small. You're only keeping a few things, and your giveaway pile is like sky high. And so you stick out your chest a little bit, and you think to yourself, I am generous. Look at how much I'm giving away. Now, I would argue what you just did. It is kind, it is very nice, but it's not generous. Because what we see true generosity being in, in the example of Jesus is giving away everything the first and the best of what you had, holding nothing back for yourself, just giving it all away for the good of someone else. We see in Jesus that true generosity is not an afterthought, as in, I'll give after I've thought about myself. <laughs> now, maybe you've met someone like that, right? Have you ever met someone that is just kind of like over-the-top generous with things? I think many of us have. And I don't know about you, but sometimes when I meet those people, my first thought is, Wow, they are really irresponsible. <laughs> you know how much they could be saving if they just kept a little bit for themselves, right? I mean, uh, I know how much they make, and they don't have the means to be giving all this stuff away. And, and it just kind of blows you away how some people are able to give and give and give. Like, I remember before I went to seminary, uh, there was this man I had met, but for not too long, and he just walked up to me one day and gave me, like, a stack of $100 bills, and he was like, you're going to need this for school. It's like, where, does, where did you come from? Did you pop out of, like, a little hobbit hole or something? Like, where did, how are you this generous? Uh, 
Uh, my brother is a generous uh, guy. Uh, he gives really uh, over-the-top gifts for birthdays and Christmases. And I remember when this started, I was in college. I might have been in high school. I was in college, and he was uh, in college as well, and uh, obviously just working some sort of part-time job. And he got me, like, a really nice car stereo for my really junky Dodge Neon. And I just thought, why did you do this? You're not making any money. Like, you should have saved this for yourself. And, and, I, and I meet people like that, and I just think, how are you able to just give and give and give and give? How, how is that possible? See, I think we are only able to be truly generous as Jesus is generous, as we see it on the cross. We are only able to do that when our, when our sense of identity and wholeness and security, when our sense of identity and security and wholeness is not found in the things of this world, in the possessions, in our money, in our social status, or in our positions of power. We just cannot be truly generous when we continue to put our sense of security and identity and wholeness in stuff. Because then every time you share some of your possessions, you're going to feel like you're giving away a part of yourself. And, and every time you, you give away a little bit of money, you're going to feel like a piece of your security is going away. And so as long as our sense of security and identity and wholeness is found in the temporary fading things of this earthly world, we will just naturally and reflexively hold on to a little bit for ourselves to keep ourselves secure and to keep ourselves whole. Uh, think about it this way. Imagine yourself back as that, that little fourth grader. Uh, and you, you, you gave away a lot, but you definitely kept some for yourself. But imagine if your security was not tied to your toys, but your security and your identity and your wholeness was tied to who your mom and dad were. And what if you trusted that your parents were generous? as you saw them just give and give and give throughout the years. And you trusted that even if you gave all your toys away, the Xbox, the PlayStation, the dolls, and the trains, and the teddy bears, that they would continue to pour out their gifts just like they always have. And, and even if you gave away everything today, you would know that next Christmas or, or next birthday or next weekend, just because your parents would continue to just lavish, lavishly pour out their gifts upon you. And what if your security and your wholeness was tied to their love, that even if everything was taken from you, you would still have a roof over your head and a bed to sleep in and two loving arms to wrap you up at the end of the night. See, that's how it is for you and me. We can only be truly generous. We can only be freed to give when we put our security and our wholeness and our identity in who our Father is. When we trust that we have a Father who sent his Son to die for you, who, who didn't save himself, but who came to save you, who gave you gifts of life and love and forgiveness that can never, ever be taken from you. And even if you should give everything away, you would still have him. It is only when your sense of security and identity and wholeness is found in your loving Father that you are freed to be truly generous. There is this, uh, there's this short phrase of Jesus that is recorded in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 20. Uh, and it's a phrase of Jesus that we don't hear any, in any of the Gospels. Uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, none of them record it. But it's there in Acts chapter 20, verse 35. And, and the phrase goes like this. You've probably heard it before. Jesus says, It is more blessed to give than to receive. Have you ever heard that before? Yeah. Uh, maybe you heard it. Sometimes the way we say it is, it's better to give than to receive. Like maybe your grandma used to wag her finger at you and say, it's better to give than to receive. And you're like, all right, grandma, but it's pretty good to receive <laughs> too. Uh, but Jesus says, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And uh, I think in, in that we see a complete 180 from how we usually think about generosity and blessings. Because here's the way that I would argue that we usually tend to think of it. We think of blessings as things that I get, right? 
And, I, and, and we judge our blessedness on how much we're receiving. And so uh, when I find the $20 bill in the parking lot on my way into work, I think I'm blessed, right? This is awesome. I needed that. Or when the gas company forgets to bill us for January, we think, wow, I am blessed because I got credit cards up to here from Christmas. I'm, I'm blessed. And we get the promotion at work and we think, oh my goodness, I am so blessed. This is going to ha- help my family so much. But Jesus says it's actually more blessed to give than to receive. What he's saying is that you can know how blessed you are. You can judge your your blessed life. You can know if you're in a state of blessing, in a state of favor with God, not when you're receiving, but when you're giving. So you can judge your blessedness. You can know if you're in favor with God, not when you're picking up the $20 bill off the ground, but when you're giving it away. And you can know if you are truly blessed, not when you're reaching for that next promotion, but when you have a sense of security and identity and wholeness in who your father is, and so you begin to recommend other people for that job that you so desperately want. And you can judge the blessedness of your friends and family. You can know if they're in favor with God and if they're receiving blessings, not not when they're looking for things for themselves, not by the size of the ring on their finger or the, the, the fanciness of the watch on their wrist or or how much the car is worth in their driveway. But you can judge the blessedness of your friends and family by, by how much they're giving away. As they trust in their Father, who just loves to give gifts. You see, three times Jesus heard these words, these mocking, perhaps tempting words. Save yourself. And each time Jesus said no. And in him, we see a beautiful, wonderful picture just this lavish generosity that our Father has for us. And as we prepare to go into Advent and as we look forward to Christmas with all of its cookies and lights and trees and gifts, brothers and sisters, I pray that we do not lose sight of the cross, that we do not forget why our Savior came, that he came to be born in that manger so that one day he could go to the cross, that we would never lose sight of how generous our Father is. In Jesus' name. Amen.